We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, do you have thoughts poking you in the back of your head about what Anthony Lynn did last game? If you have a question or hot take about the Chargers that you'd like to tell us, you can send it in through the new Guilty as Charged mailbag. To get your question in, leave us a review including the question on the Apple Podcasts page for the show. We'll be checking the reviews regularly and answering them ASAP. You could ask me to clarify my opinion on Josh McDaniels for the 20th time. Or ask Steven which Utah Ute player he wants to overdraft in the second round. Tyler can even write you a soliloquy about Young Wei Koo and how he represents the Asian community if asked nicely. If you don't have Apple Podcasts because you're a loser and your friends make fun of you for having an Android like me, no big deal. You can also email the show through guiltyascharged at gmail.com or participate in the monthly Patreon Q&A. Give us your hot takes. The world is your oyster. Bolt up! Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. I know that some of us, uh, some of you guys are new listeners, so, you know, got to make sure that we say our names every once in a while. Uh, joining me, as always, are Alex and Tyler. Tyler, we'll start with you. How you doing, man? Uh, for all you new listeners, I'm Tyler. I'm the Asian one. I'm always the Asian <laughs> one for some reason. That's what I'm known for. I hate Gabe Neighbors, and I really like Bobby Holly. Uh, anywho, I'm doing just fine. I had wished I had invested in some GameStop or AMC stock. Oof. Otherwise, I'm doing just fine. Good, crazy times in in uh, Wall Street, I guess. Uh, Alex, how are you doing today, dude? Speaking of AMC, I just threw down $19 on that share. Uh, so, <laughs> so I got to wait and see how to that plays moon, out. Alex, to the moon. To the moon. To the moon. 
man. Crazy, crazy day for everyone involved. So we have a good show for, planned for you guys today. We're going to discuss some of the uh, coaching moves that we did not get to talk about because, of course, we recorded and then they announced all the coordinating hires right after we recorded. So anyways, <laughs> it is what it is. And then we're going to do our version of the Razzies. You know, we did our final season awards last time. This time, we're going to have some fun and make fun of some people. Uh, do a little roast, if you will. So uh, let's get started with the coaching. Obviously, you know, last time we recorded, we talked about the possibilities and the potential report of the Chargers hiring Joe Lombardi from the Saints. And that, of course, did happen. So uh, I don't want to – well, we can give our potential thoughts. We kind of did that anyways. But I want to focus on – his press conference because I felt like his press conference was fantastic. And I think that Mm -hmm. his, you know, his plans and his thoughts kind of dispel some of the concerns. Obviously not all of them. We're not going to know how good this hiring is until they get on the field. But you know, the, the first thing that stands out to me is his belief and Brandon Staley's belief in analytics. And I think analytics are going to play a huge part in what they're going to do on offense. You know, he said, the great quote, like when Sean would ask us if we would go for it on fourth down, I would always say, yes, I'm a big fan of going for it on fourth down music to our ears, right? Because Anthony Lynn had been so conservative in the, in those, uh, in those decisions, in those moments in the past. And so I thought that that was, was a great quote, uh, from him, Alex, what did you make of, what were some of your main takeaways from Joe Lombardi's press conference? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that he said uh, that he would go for it on fourth down, but like, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know till you know, because, uh, you know, he could say you go for it on fourth down and then wind up like Matt LaFleur <laughs> this weekend yes. uh, in Green Bay. So that's, um, that's kind of one of those wait and see things. But in general, I, I like the hire and I like sort of what he had to say in terms of building it around Herbert um, and sort of building it around his strength specifically to uh, I think that's important, you know, instead of, you know, having this run the ball mentality and all that, right. Uh, and trying to just protect leads. Uh, I think that that's a good approach. Ultimately, I think it, he's just trying to run a version of kind of what the saints do. Uh, but with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, and he, he said in his press conference, he kind of linked uh, Keenan Allen to Michael Thomas and Austin Eckler to uh, Alvin Kamara. Right. Uh, not that, you know, Austin Eckler is going to be that dominant, but, you know, if you can have these kind of versions of these, you know, uh, guys and a Justin Herbert, who relative to Drew Brees has a much better arm at this point and is a lot younger, right. That's uh, something a lot of Chargers fans would want. So, um, I, you know, every, you know, music to my ears, everything he said, uh, we'll see how it plays out on the field, but I'm, I'm buying it so far. And, you know, the, the lion's tenure doesn't, really affect my decision making so far yeah no same for me as far as the fourth down stuff goes like you said music to our ears i'll believe it when i see it um it does help when your offensive line with the lions at the time and with the saints for sure they're a lot better than the chargers offensive line so going forward on fourth down is a little bit easier when you have like two of the best tackles in the league and a you know a pretty decent interior the one thing i want to comment on that you guys didn't talk about yet is that when it is the quote where he said, you know, when it comes to when you, you pass the score, but you run to win comment. I think some people just, I don't know. Some people just took that a little bit out of, I don't know. They were, it was a little bit too much for them. I think we're a little bit sore yeah. from this past season. When it comes to <laughs> So it's like, no, we never want to run. No, not necessarily for me. It yeah. sounded like passing is the priority. And he backs it up later when he talks about uh, making sure this is a Justin Herbert offense where, you know, we could run, 
but we have Justin Herbert. So we're going to throw a little bit more, you know, but sometimes you need that third and one, that fourth and goal. So running is important. You can't completely neglect the one, the run. Um, so I didn't see it as, as big of an issue as some other people did. Um, it's still a vital part of football. I also like that. He said that, that Lombardi said that he, rather than just talk about his time in Detroit, like, Oh, you know, I just learned how to be a coordinator, some coach speak or whatever. I think he legitimately yeah. thought about his time in Detroit and said, you know what? I was with the saints for a good amount of time. We did the same thing. We played, you know, the Panthers, the, the bucks and the Falcons two times a year. So I kind of got into a routine, got to Detroit. I couldn't get out of my own routine. And so for him to say, you know, I think I've learned from that and I think I can do, do better in that area. I think that's really great to hear. I actually think that's something that Anthony Lynn could do better at this time around when he goes to Detroit, maybe he'll learn to kind of adapt, adjust a little bit. Um, I'll believe that when I see it, but who knows? <laughs> so it's just very nice to hear him say that, you know, I, I've actually learned and I'm going to take what I've learned and apply that to the chargers. Yeah. And you know, that was something that really made Brian Dable such an, an attractive candidate, right? Yep. Is because he was so open about what he had learned and it was very similar experience, right? Like he left from new England and he wanted to replicate that. Like all of the Patriots uh, <laughs> former coaches want to do. And that's just, you know, it's not possible to be, that rigid in Cleveland or Kansas city when you don't have, you know, an elite head coach and elite quarterback and stuff like that. So I thought that was good that he recognized that as well. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like they, they have adapted a lot just in his time in new Orleans because, you know, mm-hmm. Brady's arm or Brady Breeze's arm has basically been toast the last few years. And so I feel like the offense has changed a lot. Um, you know, I said that I was going to go look at the 2015 tape from North, from Detroit. And I haven't been able to do that yet because of the senior bowl, uh, been focusing on that, but I'm really curious to see like, you know, what are some of the concepts? I know Tyler posted a little video about them, but I'm really curious to see what kind of offense he's going to run because, you know, it's not just that they're hiring Joe Lombardi. They're also getting Frank Smith who spent time in New Orleans as well. And Brandon Staley spent a summer with Joe Lombardi in New Orleans too. So I think this is going to be rooted in Sean Payton's system as far as how much that is going to be rooted. We don't really know because Brandon say they also mentioned, you know, some influence of RPOs and play action and bootlegs and things like that. And, you know, some of the stuff that Joe, that Justin Herbert did last year. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how much of a saints offense they're going to try to replicate in Los Angeles. Yeah. And Lombardi was just the guy who really kind of made Breeze click in a way in New Orleans. So when he went there, it was the first uh, Super Bowl year uh, for the Saints. And, you know, that was a big deal there. I think he was there for like four of the five thousand yard seasons yeah. or, or five thousand yard seasons. And he was there the season. Uh, I believe that uh, he broke the single season uh, yards record. So and then when he came back the second time, what they did was a lot of what Steven was saying, which was, you know, they focused on kind of his accuracy uh, instead of just trying to like get the yards record. Right. And you saw his uh, accuracy climb from like 70 to 74% uh, and his yards per attempt didn't really go down from 8.2. I think it was. So, you know, they uh, tried managing that. And as a quarterback's coach, he also did good work with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston this year. Right. So, I think that's kind of very promising that, you know, it's not just about Justin Herbert, but also the other quarterbacks in the room that you can uh, develop and be as the, as the Philadelphia Eagles say, uh, a quarterback factory. Do we really want to develop Easton stick? I forget, <laughs> I mean, I forget who you, asked him, like, do, what do you, who's the next Taysom Hill on this roster? Like, who else do you think <laughs> is going to be? Who else is going to be like, Justin Herbert's not Taysom Hill. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. 
don't know if you I, want to taste some hill, but you know, if you uh, get him to be an asset, then maybe you can flip him for something later, right? If you get people in on him, not saying that's going to happen, but or maybe you get some other free agent quarterback to be the um, Jameis or you know uh, Teddy Bridgewater of this year. Yeah, you know, worst case scenario for Easton Stick is that he just becomes, you know, like the Kellen Clemens or Charlie Whitehurst kind of person. And I think that's fine. I still would like them to see, uh, I would like to see them bring in a veteran. Just, you know, I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like that would be valuable for Justin Herbert. Um, but we'll have to see. As for the run comment, you know, I feel like, you know, Tyler, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's just, it's not that we hate running the football. It's that, the way that the Chargers were running the football <laughs> yeah. was just so dumb. And, like, you know, we saw Kalen Balazs in his first game get all these halfback tosses and outside zones. And then after that, it was like halfback dive, halfback dive, halfback dive. And so I'm fine if he wants to run the ball and have, like, a 60-40 balance in favor of the pass as long as the run game is more efficient. Like, that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to for me. Run the ball if you want to. But, you know, if you're just going to run halfback dive 15 times a game, with a guy who, who averages two yards a carry, like that's just not going to fly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think as long as the efficiency goes up, then running the football is fine. And and he's right. Like you have to run the football to win games. And especially once you get into the postseason, you know, you got to run the football. It's, it's the truth right now. Yeah. I don't think the problem, I guess, with Anthony Lynn was that he was running the football. It was that he was, running the football to a detriment, right? Where you said it, it wasn't, it was no longer efficient. And it's like, you have this, you know, Justin Herbert who can throw 40 or 50 times a game if you really need him to. And it's like, well, you know, instead of that, that what were they doing? Right. So I think that was the issue more than running the ball, like any modern NFL offense, like, of course you want to throw as much as possible, but you're also going to need to run. Uh, I mean, you know, the Buccaneers, for example, like in this playoff run have gotten consistently great performances from Leonard Fournette, even when Tom Brady hasn't been hot. So you still need someone, uh, I I think, to be in the backfield and be a presence there. I'm sorry. I was totally off track on my thought here. I had to Google it. So these coaches have a lot of connections to different guys that are free agents. Yeah. Do you think Jameis Winston comes over? Ooh, that'd be interesting. Um, I was actually talking with Ryan Dyer today about Jameis signing with the Rams because uh, of the Jared Goff situation and them really being stuck with him. They don't really have a choice, but they should definitely bring in some competition. But, um, you know, Jason Reed, our our editor at Bolpe, floated the idea of Joe Flacco, and everybody kind of hated that. I'm not saying it's my favorite either, but. They do need backup. They need a backup. They need a veteran backup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like worst case is you bring someone in and then, you know, if Easton stick is better than him, then you cut the veteran. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Th- they'll definitely bring in someone for training camp because you know, you, you got to have four, three or four arms just for reps. So they'll bring in someone, I think. Are we already assuming that Tyrod Taylor is a Detroit lion? Pretty yes. much. Because <laughs> yeah. I was going to be like, well, yeah. we could bring him back. But <laughs> if he's already followed Anthony Lynn over there, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. No, I think I think Tyrod will be in a better situation there than he was here, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from health reasons, like we all figured that Justin Herbert would be playing. <laughs> we all figured that Justin Herbert would be playing eventually this season. But, you know, if they draft Trey Lance, who hasn't played football in like, two years and only has started 12 games, like I think that's a good-ish situation for Tyrod. If I were him, I would probably go to Washington depending on what they do. I don't know if they'll be able to get a quarterback, but 
Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be it <laughs> in Detroit for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, in terms of backup, what they could do, I mean, there's potential they roll with Houston stick, but yeah, I, I would definitely prefer having a backup like Jameis Winston or, or someone like that, that, you know, you at least have confidence that they're not going to be, um, you know, out of sorts if they have to go into the game for whatever reason, because as, as we saw, Justin Herbert took a lot of big shots this year, some which involved Easton stick coming into the game. So uh, I would certainly, you know, prefer that. And speaking of the Rams, uh, what a, what a situation they got there with a Jared Goff, John Wolford quarterback battle. <laughs> and the Rams are in trouble, dude. They're, they are in trouble. There's a few teams this, this offseason that are going to be super interesting to watch because they either don't have a quarterback or they don't have any cap space to get a quarterback. So uh, going to be interesting. Let's, let's move to Ronaldo Hill. Obviously, um, that was announced right after we recorded as well. Um, coming over from the Broncos, you know, I, I think this is going to be a good hire. You know, he said it today that this is going to be a work in progress for him too, because he's only been a position coach in the NFL for three seasons, very similar to Brandon Staley, but you know, Brandon Staley is going to call plays and Ronaldo Hill will certainly be involved, but I think, you know, he's coming in to help fix the secondary and make sure that that transition goes smoothly into what Brandon Staley wants because coverage concepts between what, they want to do and what Staley wants to do or, or could not be more different. Like the cover three defense and the Staley defense could not be more different. So um, I think essentially he's going to be, you know, a, a secondary coach for at least the first year with a big title and Brandon Staley is going to call plays. But I think this has the potential to turn into, you know, a very good hire for the Chargers as well. And maybe, you know, they turn Hill into uh, a future head coaching candidate as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the things that you really like about him in Denver is, I mean, he just made that secondary really solid. And, you know, Denver was only ranked 12th in the secondary, but, you know, there was an A.J. Bouye suspension. Bryce Callahan missed the last month, uh, you know, and they had guys that really played well this season. Simmons and Kareem Jackson are awesome. I mean, sort of over the years, uh, his two years in Denver, Simmons has really turned into like an all-pro type uh, safety, uh, you know, when it – He's just kind of on that Derwin James level at this point. And, you know, uh, Bryce Callahan, he's obviously kind of turned into a, a star, at least this season. Uh, it's They had the 12th best secondary despite all the COVID stuff. Uh, and I thought that was a, a really just, uh, you know, good thing that he did more, more than anything. And you can see that he was kind of getting the best uh, out of his defensive backs, no matter what the situation is. And, you know, uh, there's always going to be so some amount of risk when you're hiring a first time defensive coordinator yeah. uh, or any coordinator. We saw that with Shane Steichen last year, but the good thing about this hire is right. There's not as much play calling responsibility that's going to be on his uh, plate. It's more just going to be coming up with a game plan uh, and also uh, just, you know, getting the players to play to their best of their abilities, especially uh, in the secondary, as you mentioned, but, and I think he's, pretty trained to do both of those things well yeah well said i think the chargers are well i don't know who the hell their defensive line coach is i'll assume <laughs> it's Giff smith for now oh i don't man. know but anyway they seem set kind of at every level i think they have a good defensive line coach whichever one of those two guys it is you know with linebackers you know barry yeah but you also have staley coaching the linebackers then of course you bring in hill who can coach the secondary and staley as well 
So I really think at each level, you're going to have good coaching. So I, I do really like that. Um, as far as the press conference went, I like that both Hill and Lombardi, whenever they talk about Staley, they just smile. Like we don't have a lot to go off of as fans. Um, we don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen until we see it. But watching them, you know, all we can go off is character and how they look, how they talk to people. And we were so blown away by, by Staley. And I thought Lombardi had a good press conference. But, you know, Hill as well, when asked about, you know, hey, what was your relationship like with, with Staley in, in Denver? He just lit up talking about their time together in Denver, how they were scheming up things together and how they would, you know, stay up or go in early to figure out things out. Um, so I think that's just really cool that him and then Lombardi talking about how, you know, yeah, I didn't really think, I didn't know he wanted to be a coach. But as soon as I saw him, you know, and he was, he was a coach, I knew, like, I knew that guy was going to be a head coach someday. So to see these coordinators both speak so highly of Staley has me, has me really confident moving forward, as confident as I can be knowing absolutely nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that's a good point because, you know, all we can tell right now is, is Staley the person. And, and, you know, I thought his interview on the Pat McAfee show was outstanding. And, you know, Pat McAfee really just brings the best out in people. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Um, but someone did not tell Ronaldo Hill the, the secret of discretion, man. He, he, he just, he just subtly dropped some bombs in there, like yeah. nobody's business. And, uh, <laughs> you know, casually mentioned mentioning that Giff Smith was staying on when it had been reported that he was moving to Detroit with Anthony Lynn, uh, and Jay Rogers had been coming over from Chicago to fill that role. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. <laughs> I think somebody's going to have to clear that up. Uh, it doesn't really seem like anybody knows what's going on there, but uh, it, it was hilarious that he mentioned that. And then he also mentioned uh, Derek Ansley. He just was the defensive coordinator at the University of Tennessee. Don't really know much about him. Just did a quick Google search, but you know he's been in the college ranks for a little bit. Uh, and then also mentioned uh, Tom Donatell, who used to be a Seattle uh, quality, quality control coach, excuse me. And a Ninja um, Turtle. Ninja Turtle. Nice. Um, But he's obviously the son of the Broncos defensive coordinator. So definitely some familiarity with the scheme there. But I I just couldn't believe that he was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this guy, this guy, and this guy. And everybody's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? What's what is this? Alex, that was you, Alex. Come on, man. Uh, is that me? <laughs> okay. I didn't know there was you. Um, no, I mean, those are definitely some interesting guys. I'll be, I'll be curious to see if Giff Smith uh, is kept around because, uh, I mean, that would be a difference, I guess, if they want to bring in Jake Rogers. Um, personally, I think out of those two, I would kind of lean towards Rogers just because, like, I know Giff Smith is kind of Bosa's guy, but also we haven't really had much development on the defensive line from guys that aren't Bosa. (laughs) So I'd sort of like to see what's behind door number two, Uh, I guess when it comes to to Jay Rogers potentially being there, you know, I just haven't been very impressed by Jerry Tillery. I haven't been too impressed by Justin Jones. I guess he's been fine. Uh, But other than that, it's just been kind of lackluster in terms of the pieces that were, you know, we're supposed to have kind of developed by this point under Giff Smith. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of fine with either, depending on what they want to do, I guess, there. Um, Donatel from Seattle is, is a very interesting one. And, um, I, yeah, I, I'm just kind of excited for all of, the, all of the names he dropped, I guess, for, for different reasons. I guess we'll see uh, how, how many of the names come to fruition. But, uh, you know, 
definitely some things that need to be cleared up, you know, as to who the defensive line coach is and who the defensive backs coach is. I, I guess we'll find out. I definitely don't remember it being this difficult the last time they hired people. I don't know why this time around it's just taking so much longer. Maybe it's because of COVID. I don't know. If it's Giff Smith that sticks around on the defensive line, I'm totally fine with that. I I think it's disappointing. Like Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones have been disappointing. But I do think Jerry Tillery has taken a step forward. I do think a Chenron Wosu, I, think, I don't know how long he's been looking with Smith. I guess it was this year. Um, he took a step forward. He just was injured. I mean, and Bosa took a step forward, in my opinion, as well. So uh, it uh, is the grass really greener with Jay Rogers? I don't know. I mean, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I think either one's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to see. The, the assumption was that Jay Rogers was going to come over close to the defensive line and maybe be like the run game coordinator on the defensive side. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was considered an internal candidate for the Bears defensive coordinator job. He was getting some other jobs, too. So, I mean, like, I guess he could come over and be like the outside linebackers coach and Barry does the inside linebackers. But I feel like that would be kind of I don't want to say a waste, a but yeah, that would be a demotion unless, you know, he's getting outside linebackers and run game coordinator. But um, the other option is that you demote Giff Smith to assistant defensive line coach and i just i don't know that, that <laughs> he'll kind of drop the bomb on everybody that none of us really ready for so yeah uh gonna be interesting there and then uh the other hiring that was announced today by tom pelicero was that uh the former steelers offensive line coach sean serrett or Serrat, i think it's serrett uh is coming over as an assistant offensive line coach so we don't really know who is going to be the actual offensive line coach um, obviously because James Campen was let go. Um, you know, it's been assumed that maybe that would be Frank Smith's job. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see, but I mean, I, I think that's a good hire in terms of an offensive line assistant. You know, he's been in Pittsburgh for quite a long time and he learned for, under Mike Munchak is one of the best in the business in terms of offensive line coaches. And, uh, I think that's going to be a good hire as well. Name to throw out there, maybe for free agency, Sean Sarrett. Alejandro Villanueva is out there uh, as a free agent. I know Steven's making a face, uh, <laughs> but I think it's a possibility. I'm not going to say whether or not I would like that, but if he is coming over here, he's worked with that offensive line for such a long time. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see the chargers go in that direction. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's an assistant offensive line coach, so we'll have to see who the real um person is there it seems like the chargers and Steelers just weirdly did a trade for james camp and yeah. sean Sarin, i guess uh it just kind of went under the radar um i i, I was kind of hoping secretly to see another year of james camp yeah. but that obviously didn't come to fruition uh, i, I would have liked to see him when he kind of done with some of these offensive line pieces especially if they take one in the first round but um i'll be curious to see who they hire i guess you know, uh, Surratt isn't a, a bad one to have in there, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of either way. Yeah, so I didn't know they made this hire until about 85 seconds ago when you mentioned it. So was he? <laughs> he was the Steelers' offensive line coach last year. Yeah, he was the offensive line coach for one season. Before that, he was an assistant offensive line coach. I'm just surprised they'd only bring him in. Like, why did the Steelers let him go? And then why only an assistant here? Uh, just why? Yeah. Well, then, because James Camp and his his best work and what he's kind of known for is like an outside zone, inside zone scheme, and that's different than what the Steelers have done in gotcha. the past. So, um, mm. 
maybe a little bit of a scheme change. I don't know how much we can take away from the Chargers hiring him away, but mm-hmm. um, we'll have to see. I don't know. I, I would have liked to see James Camden stick around as well. You know, the Chargers yeah. really gave him shit to deal with this year. And then, you know, there were six guys that played at right guard and Brian Balaga <laughs> started and finished five games and, you know, Trey Pipkins played and Storm Norton played. And so, the offensive line wasn't very good, like talent wise, like it definitely needs to be upgraded, but the overall lack of continuity mixed with the lack of talent was just a recipe for disaster. And, you know, James Campen, he's still one of the better offensive line coaches in the league. And I would have liked to see him stick around as well, but it is what it is. And then obviously uh, we talked about Darius Swinton uh, a little bit because that one we did know about. Um, But I did want to highlight here the thing that Brandon Staley said, about Darius Swinton being involved in game management for the Cardinals. And I think, while not really confirming that, I think that kind of shows, again, Staley's overall plan to involve analytics into what the Chargers are doing. And that seems like that was kind of Swinton's role in Arizona. Tyler, did you kind of take away that same thing? Yeah, pretty much. I'm excited for that. Again, we have to see them do it. And obviously, I guess we don't really... Like they'll never cut to Swinton managing the game on the sidelines. I don't know yeah. if we'll ever know what that role is, but um, if, if that's what they're doing, great. I think, and I considered making a video about this. You really got to give credit to, I know I'm going to lose half our listeners, the Spanos family and the Chargers <laughs> for honestly yeah. letting their coaches, letting Staley do what he wants and get the guys yep. that he wants and then have the plan. Like, what's your plan? Great, go execute it. You know, for better or worse, the fact that he's getting a game management guy is great. So we, you could argue the Chargers are at least eight and eight this season with a game manager, you know, nine and seven. I don't know. So we'll, we'll talk about some of the poor decisions later, and I'm sure that has to do with game management. So they could have been avoided with the Darius Swinton. Yeah, I mean, so there, there's some numbers that I think are good. You know, he did game management with the Cardinals. They ranked 10th in special teams. Uh, they had the fifth fewest penalties in the league, which specialties yeah, penalties call. have been a problem for the Chargers. And the Cardinals actually had the best opponent uh, starting field position in the league. Uh, I think uh, the 23-yard line their opponent started at. So that's pretty good, um, all things considered. And uh, from the, his 49ers days, because that was his other special teams coordinator tenure, um, that was kind of the post-Harbaugh era where they were trying things with Jim Tom Sula and then eventually Chip Kelly, uh, who, whose staff he was on. Uh, and before Darius Linden got there, they were 24th and 27th in the league in special teams. Uh, after Darius Linden got there in 2016, they actually jumped to 16th uh, in the league. So I thought that that was a really impressive job as well, um, because those 49ers teams were not very talented and they didn't have a ton of special teams contributors. So making that kind of a leap under uh, a coordinator change, I think, is a big deal. Um, and really, like we said last episode, the fact that they're getting a special teams guy and yeah. someone who's not like Imagine Coach that. Anthony Lynn 40 years ago, um, <laughs> it's it's really cool. Uh, and I think that you're going to see some immediate improvement. Uh, I'm curious to see how he uses some of the current special teams contributors like Nasir Adderley or BJ Bello, you know, in coverage and stuff. Uh, hopefully we get a kicker battle. That, that would be fun. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm excited to see Darius Swinton, maybe out of all these guys, I kind of think he's the best hire low key, uh, just because I think he can turn around this, um, the special teams rather quick. And there's such a difference just because between his experience and, uh, George Stewart's experience heading into the job. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tyler mentioned the game management. If the special teams weren't the worst in the last decade in the league, then the Chargers probably win eight, win nine games as well. So, you know, if the Chargers can go from 32nd to 26 next year, I'll be thrilled. Like any kind of improvement <laughs> is good for me, which oh my God. it's just kind of sad. But that is sad. Uh, the last thing I'll say here about Darius Swinton, uh, he got his start coaching special teams in Denver. His kicker in Denver was Matt Prater. Matt Prater is a free agent this season. So something maybe talking about potential connections there. Hmm. I think uh okay. I think that would I think that would work for me. Matt Prater is one of the most clutch kickers in the league. I think that would be I think that would be a, a home run signing for the Chargers. So I'd pray yeah. to do this year. <laughs> uh this year I honestly don't know. Um but ProFootballReference.com. I'm going there right now. <laughs> I can I tell the that. other guy is Zane Gonzalez from Arizona, and he stunk this year too. So, yeah. Hopefully, Matt Prater did better than a C. What yeah, you got, was... Alex? All right. So it's kind of kind of mixed results. I mean, Matt Prater's a little bit older. Uh, yeah. So he went 21 for 28 this year. Uh, not great, mm-hmm. but he did go 38 for 41 on extra points, which is decent. But yeah, he is also a little bit older, so <laughs> no, we're screwed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he had uh, good weeks and he had not so great weeks. That's um, great, awesome. I thought that was such a good poll, man. <laughs> I mean, look, if, if they're gonna bring in Matt Prater compared to what we have with the Michael Badgley, like. I'm not going to complain <laughs> if that's going to be the guy that's going to be yeah. uh, competing with him just because like Michael Badgley was <laughs> generally, I, I think he was even worse, you know, from 70, uh, Prater 75%, he was like 72. Right. So and <laughs> it's, it's a whole three points of percentage. Hey man, that's um, one extra field goal. Maybe that he makes in new Orleans and the Chargers. Yeah. That's a good point, Steven. Yeah, I mean, if he makes one extra, they win the New Orleans game, right? But even before this year, though, and, you know, Detroit special teams wasn't great. Uh, you know, he was 85 plus percent each year. So if you kind of count okay. on him having a bit of a bounce back year uh, or just even competing with Badgley, uh, I, I think he, more than the specific kicker that you bring in, just competing with Badgley is the most important thing. Like you just have to get a guy that uh, is able to, push him in training camp, even if actually does end up being the final guy. But um, I guess we'll see what happens. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it's marginal improvement on special teams. We're, we're happy, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, any other thoughts on the coaches before we get into the Razzies? Nope. No, no. I think, uh, think All right. So uh, if you're, if you don't want to be depressed, uh, then maybe turn this part off. Just kidding. Don't <laughs> turn this part off. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one. I, mean, I, I can't wait. Um, we're going to do uh, five categories and, you know, the Chargers had some painful moments this season and we're going to discuss them and have some fun with it. And I can't wait. Uh, the first category of the Razzies is worst play. Tyler, what is your worst play of 2020 for the Chargers? okay so we could have gone a lot of different directions for this one (laughs) yeah unfortunately fitting that we're talking about kickers i think the worst play of the season from decision to execution was trotting out michael badgley for a 57 yard field goal against the patriots why is it bad number one you know he's not making that field goal there's not a single chargers fan except for his mother 
I thought he was going to make that field goal. <laughs> Number two, if you kick that field goal and make it, you're still down three scores. You go from down 21 to zero to 21 to three. Classic Anthony Lynn. The next thing, so your decision was stupid anyway. The next thing that happens is your kick is blocked. And so we're just all sitting there like, ha ha, the kick got blocked again, <laughs> whatever. Not only did it get blocked, it got blocked for a touchdown. So the whole thing, the decision was bad. The execution was bad. It resulted in disaster. It was awful. I hated that play, but it still kind of made me laugh. <laughs> I, no, man, Michael Badgley and, and the way that they, they handled him this year was just like, it was so frustrating mm-hmm. uh, to watch. But uh, anyways, Alex, your worst play of the Chargers 2020 season. So my worst play, and, and look, the game was already over by this point, but the end of the Buffalo game uh, yeah. as a whole is is one combined play, <laughs> I guess. So they, they get the Hail Mary. Then obviously there's this disconnect between Steichen and Lynn. They, they call a run. At, like the whole sequence was just so uh, like mind-numbingly bad. Uh, and you could have gone with a lot of others, but just like, from an execution and just like how you, how you go after a Hail Mary drive, like every coach should know that. And just like, I, I don't understand how the chargers felt, you know, just fuck that up for lack of a better term. It, it was just such a terrible effort. I mean, there were other plays from the bills gave me, you know, Joshua Kelly jet sweep on third and one uh, <laughs> that, that whole game. That whole game was just, garbage execution as all it was man that 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 last drive is just like the worst even though they were down by 10 and couldn't win but just the fact that i had to watch that was really terrible i will never ever forget the way (laughs) that justin herbert he completes one hail mary pass but it gets called for a holding and he completes the second one and then they go up and they run the football and like after that you're like okay this can't get any worse and then Everybody gets up to the line. Justin Herbert's in shotgun and he rushes up under center and he tries to do a quarterback sneak. And all <laughs> the four other offensive linemen are all pass setting. And Justin Herbert just oh, gets man. destroyed by the Buffalo defense, man. <laughs> like I've never seen a worse coaching moment in my entire life than that one. And spoiler alert, because that's our last category. Um, I was going to choose that one as well, but uh to do something different, I'm going to go all the way back to week two when Anthony Lynn decided to punt. The oh, that was my worst coaching moment. Oh, Dang shit. it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of repeats here. When he decided to punt the football back to Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And Patrick Mahomes ended up, uh, you know, ripping our hearts out and winning the game. And uh, I don't know, man, that, that decision, I feel like, had some major butterfly effect on the Chargers yep. season because, like, if they win that game, uh, you know, who knows like what would have happened, but um, just a, just a worse, the, such a stupid decision and such a bad play. Um, all right, let's move to most disappointing player. Uh, I think this one's going to be a little interesting. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you on this one. Most disappointing player of the Chargers 2020 season. Uh, Joshua Kelly. It's, it's almost kind of not close for me. Just like those first two weeks, he showed a lot of promise, the Cincinnati game. Um, then he has those two fumbles and it was just like, he never got that mojo back. Wasn't being used properly. 
Um, and then they tried making him a special teams contributor, and he was really bad on special teams because he couldn't uh, block for Ty Long, who got, you know, flipped on his ass in the Jets game. Uh, and then, you know, week 17, he misses a block for Herbert, and that results uh, in a DeAndre Baker sack. So, I mean, look, there's ways he can rebound for next year, and I really hope he does. Uh, but I, I was questionable on the Joshua Kelly pick at the time. We all were. And he didn't do anything for me to, to dispel just how disappointing I, I, I felt really he was this season. It was just really tough, you know, watching him just kind of aggressively not run uh, and, you know, just the fumbles and special teams play all around it. I don't think he was helped by the coaching and the scheme, but just as a whole, I, I didn't understand really what he was doing this year and what the team was trying to do with him. Yeah. And he was doubly disappointing because the beat writers were hyping up as like the training camp hero. Like Joshua yeah. Kelly was the best guy during training camps. So we we're going, yeah. Holy cow. Like Justin Jackson's job is gone. It's going to be yep. Joshua Kelly as, as RB two. Uh, that didn't work out for more than a week <laughs> and a half. Uh, so my most disappointing player, I went with Melvin Ingram. I knew heading into the season that Ingram, he would need a big year to stick with the team. Although if he had a big year, it could actually have priced him out of the Chargers comfort zone anyway. But I didn't see him hitting a wall like he did. I know sacks aren't everything, but you had zero sacks when you're not even yeah. the guy that the, that the offense has to worry about the most. Like it's one thing if, you know, Joey Buss is being, or if Ingram's being doubled and he does his zero sacks, but like he wasn't even the main guy and he still got zero sacks. It's only seven games played and like seven pressures over his last three games. And the team really needed him in those moments. And he went from, you know, a couple of, you know, the great interception against the Bengals, a couple of decent games to start the season, and then just faded away. It was really kind of sad for a player that has really been the best defensive player this team has had for, yeah. for a long time, for since 2012. So, it's really disappointing and for him to end his chargers career like that kind of stinks i assume yeah i assume as well but you know that, that first half against the chiefs between uh Nwosu, bosa and ingram like that was one of the burst the, one of the burst one of the best first halves uh that i've seen out of the chargers defensive line so most disappointing player for me i thought about a couple players here um you know i thought about going with casey hayward yeah um I thought about going with Nasir Adderley, uh, but I'm going to go with Dan Feeney because Dan Feeney to me, he wasn't someone that I was like excited about in the preseason, Mm -hmm. but then he came out in the first four games and he played fantastic football and he only allowed like two pressures in the first four games. And he was just like, I was like, okay, I can see the future of Dan Feeney being like the starting center of this team. But then Mm -hmm. specifically after the bye week, it was just like, so so bad and it was six pressures here seven pressures there six pressures here and he ended up leading the league in in pressures allowed by all centers and his play was bad but for me like the chargers could not afford to have this kind of you know offseason because they have to replace at least three starters on the offensive line this year yep and they just could not afford that kind of situation from happening and, you know, I expected Dan Feeney after the first four games to solidify that center spot. Now I kind of think that they should draft a center or maybe go sign a center. And then they have to they have to get a left guard. They have to get a left tackle. They have to get a future right tackle because Brian Bulaga is old. So just the overall of what Dan Feeney's 
regression meant for me is why he's the most disappointing player in my opinion. So worst draft pick, I think Alex, this might be the yeah. same person for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joshua Kelly uh, or, is it, or is it different? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think back. So yeah, I, I guess it would be Joshua Kelly. You could go Alohi Gilman, I guess, but I mean, at that point it was in the sixth round and they were right. just kind of going for a special teams player. Um, I guess an honorable mention for this one would be Joe Reed just because, and not really to his fault. It's just like the coaching staff didn't really use him, uh, all that much apart from key, you know, some key moments like the first four or five games. Um, but it it just was disappointing because I I thought he did or could have developed into a decent receiver this year. Um, or at least have some impact out of the backfield. Neither really came to fruition. So, but I would still say, yeah, it, it was Joshua Kelly for me just because of the potential to overtake um, Justin Jackson as the RB2 and and not really coming close and, and being a healthy scratch in those last three, four games. Uh, that part of it was disappointing. Yeah, I, I could go Alohi Gilman, but I mean, when he was drafted, Tom Telesco said, oh, he's a special teamer. So like, I was like, yeah. okay, like <laughs> we just kind of assumed that's what that was that. Yep. Joshua Kelly had the unfortunate circumstance of being their third pick in that draft and, you know, no fault of his own, but the Chargers decided to move up for Kenneth Murray. And so they needed a corner or an offensive lineman. And there were plenty there or maybe a receiver. And they went with their running back. And not only was that bad for value, not only was it bad considering they had no third round pick, but then he just didn't play well. Like he just didn't enough and nothing that he did warranted even keeping on the roster next season other than the fact that he was drafted this past year. Because if you're not cutting as a running back and you're not cutting on special teams, what, what use do I have for you? So it's, it was, it was a bad pick then though. I had some, you know, some optimism and the training camp here, some good things. And then it just went downhill after week one. So um, yeah, definitely the worst draft pick for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was much higher on, on Kelly in the draft process than Jason was. I, I think I had him like a almost like 10 spots higher than Jason did. Um, but like Tyler said, man, like they needed so many other spots. And especially after trading their third round pick, it's just uh, it's unfortunate for Joshua Kelly uh, because I think he's a I think he's a good player and he seems like a really good dude. But, you know, I just I don't think it's going to work out. So. Uh, I think this is going to be another unanimous one. Unanimous one. Can I speak today? Um, let's do worst game. Uh, it's the Patriots. Like that's the worst game I've seen in my entire life. It's the most embarrassed I've ever been of, to be a Chargers fan. Uh, I don't think we're going to get other answers here, except Alex maybe talked about the Buffalo game. Alex, is it the Patriots game for you too? Yeah, I mean it's it's the Patriots game. Just <laughs> that that really felt like. Okay, Anthony Lynn's fired. <laughs> I mean, that was the moment where yeah. everything really changed. Um, and just, you know, to, to go out that way, uh, you know, especially when, you know, uh, the Rams kind of like ended up dominating them like the week after that, that part of it was disappointing, you know, at home at SoFi. Um, just not a very good game at all. And you, we talked about the Badgley 57 yard field goal all the other special teams and miscues in that game, you know, allowing uh, Gunnar Olszewski to get all pro votes. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of things in that game that just were terrible. Uh, they allowed Cam Newton to look like he was back in Carolina again. 
it, it was just um, tough game all around. I mean, th- there are some honorable mentions, some some dishonorable stinkers, if you will, uh, like the Buffalo game, the the Denver game. Jesus Christ, um, we were all delirious after that fucking shit show. Yes, but, uh, just, just with how much of a blowout it was and how terrible it felt, I feel like it does have to be uh, the Patriots game. That was excruciating to watch, but I at least knew that the Chargers were probably going to lose that game. Mm-hmm. The worst game for me was the Dolphins game because the Chargers at least had an opportunity to show that they were at least somewhat capable of being a good team, and they just retreated into a shell. I mean, after that game... Keenan Allen saying that Miami had confused them. You know, the offense was just stunned from snap one. I don't know what happened. That was the game that made me look at Shane Steichen completely differently. Yeah. Because I believe the week before was the Jaguars game. We're getting Joe Reed involved. Or was that the Oakland game? I don't know. Point is, it was just like, what the hell just happened to our offense? We were making a steady climb and then just pff, no more offense. Herbert didn't look good. Um, you had a blocked punt for the second week in a row, whatever it was. And then the defense is dropping with like three easy interceptions that would have changed the outcome of that game. So I, that was the worst game for me. I might have picked the Patriots game or the Bills game as well. The AFC screwed us this year. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but otherwise, um, yeah, for me, it was the Dolphins game. Yeah, it's funny because you can point to that Chiefs game and, and really see like, okay, that let that like really affected the Chargers team. And then they lost the next four games. Right. And then you can point to that Dolphins game and it, see how it really affected the Chargers negatively. And then you can look at the Falcons game and see how that affected them positively. So kind of three turning points there. So worst coaching moment. We've talked about a few of them already. And unfortunately, there are more. Um, <laughs> Tyler, I know I, kinda, <laughs> I know. Tyler, I know I stole your moment earlier. Are you going to switch to one or are you going to stick with that Chiefs game? No, I'm going to stick with that Chiefs one because – it just represented everything that the season ended up being after that you decision yeah. to tuck your tail there, you know, on fourth and one, it wasn't even like, you know, yeah, Justin Herbert didn't have practice that week, but you don't have to practice it like a QB sneak or something else. You know, if, if they, if the chargers won that game, Anthony Lynn would probably still have a job, you know, not only do I think they could be eight and eight, but I think they could have made, you know, one, one or two more games. And my battery's running low. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, uh, Anthony Lynn was so much more aggressive in 2018 and it paid off against the Bengals and the chiefs and they went 12 and four. Instead they punt there, you know, the chiefs kick a three, whatever improbable field goals from Harrison Butker and the Chargers blow their season. So for me, that was the worst coaching moment because I didn't really hate it as much at the time, but but considering how much it represented and how much it affected the rest of the season, I think that was the worst coaching moment for me. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think you can go with the Buffalo game. Like I mentioned before, but if we wanted to go with one like individual moment, I guess it's probably the Atlanta uh, two minute drill before yeah. the half. Just, I mean, that was just a wreck. And it was just, it, it was again, like kind of week after week where it's like, they're going down this, you know, path following the Buffalo and Patriots games of just like these weird disconnects on offense. Um, <laughs> and that whole Atlanta you know, Chargers game was just like, who wants to lose this game less um, as opposed to who wants to go win? And it was just really boring and, and really terrible to watch, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll never forget, like, the the four interceptions or whatever it was, like, in the last five minutes of the Falcons game, man. It was just absurd. That was going to be my one as well. Um, let's see. Are there other ones? 
Am I missing one? Um, other bad coaching moments. Uh, Tyler, we can't hear you, man. Hi. Well, <laughs> can you hear me now? Um, I guess we could say when Anthony Lynn decided to start Tyrod Taylor. How about that one? Um, you know, I don't fact- hate that one as much. i'm the only person who doesn't hate that so (laughs) no i'm just kidding cutting bobby holly was the worst coaching moment yes there we go that's the one (laughs) ruined the whole season (laughs) oh man uh the bobby holly thing man like that was one of my favorite nights of of all time dude just like messaging you and jason yeah that was so much fun and then he came on the show. Poor guy. We we all thought that he was a surefire charger. Everybody especially, did. Especially after they gave him number 41 in practice. And then they were like, <laughs> right. Gabe Neighbors. <laughs> oh, man. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go back to the Buffalo one for my worst moment. I, I, I can't get over how bad that was. And quarterback sneaking <laughs> when everybody else is pass setting. I just can't. Um <laughs> All right, guys, any other thoughts on uh, the terrible moments from 2020? This was actually really therapeutic for me. I feel like this was good for me to, you know, discuss these things with you guys. Any other thoughts here? Um, Stinky year. Uh, go bye-bye. Uh, we have a new coaching staff, and uh, it's going to be better next year, hopefully. Yeah, you know, knowing the Chargers' luck, we have a new coach, and we're going to be going for it a lot more on fourth down. It just won't work, and we're still going to go seven and nine. But, uh, oh, well, if this uh, – if this moment was tough for you guys and all you listeners out there, you know, my mom's a therapist. If you need a therapist, you know, just just uh, hit up uh, Mama Shoon. There you go. So, <laughs> and like I said, you know, I, that honestly made me feel a little bit better about myself. So, you know, that was fun. Um, I am really excited, though, about the direction of this team. Um, and, you know, yeah. this, this week in general, I, you know, keep an eye on all of these players that are playing down in Mobile because Tom Telesco traditionally drafts like three or four. And I think with the lack of everything else and COVID uncertainty, you know, wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being like six or seven. So um, definitely going to have fun with that and uh, stay tuned on our Patreon channel, because I am going to be posting uh, a lot more clips from the senior world practices. So uh, if you are a Patreon user, make sure and keep, keep an eye out for those. Yeah. Um, I did a Patreon breakdown earlier this week on Rayshon Slater did a YouTube video last week. Uh, so yeah, keep uh, keep an eye out for all the content. Check out my mock drafts and my bolt beat stuff. And uh, yeah, so bolt up. I have a store back right now, and I <laughs> am gonna be crying about like finding Advil. And yet, Kenneth Murray just had surgery for his posterior shoulder instability with three loose yeah. bodies, posterior labral repair and posterior capsular repair. And he like played the entire year and didn't even talk about it. That's wild to me, man. Crazy. Like that is, and he was never on the injury report. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Get well soon, fast, Kenneth Murray, because I know you're watching this. Thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. You um, and Rivers, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> our, our audience is just growing, like, so famous. It, it's awesome. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. And, uh, you know, going to have some good stuff for you in the coming weeks because of the draft and the Senior Bowl wrapping up and all that stuff, right? So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.